the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, he led a train of vanquished foes, and he bestowed gifts on men. And I made reference to that, I think, last week out of Psalm 68, where he talks about the king coming forward and he leads forward uh, like a conquering king, a victorious king. And in his train are those that are behind him, are the victors and the captives, the captivity, those who have been in captivity are walking forward. Now here's the picture. Israel goes in and a, and a foreign kingdom has, has taken over a certain area of their land and they have taken captives out of the land and put them into captivity, holding people of Israel in captivity, of the tribe of Israel in captivity. And here comes the conquering king and he releases them from captivity and they are in the train as they enter in to this victorious march, recognizing that he is victorious over all, and they are no longer held captive. He took captivity captive. And this is what I want you to understand about captivity in the child of God. We have victory through Christ Jesus. He took captivity captive. He went in verse 4.9 and verse 4.10. He put an end to the reign of sin and death. We are no longer slaves to those things. Now here's the truth. Guys, mark this down. If you are in bondage to sin, it's because you chose it. The enemy doesn't shackle you anymore. You bring your wrist forward and choose the manacles you want. If you are in bondage to sin on any level, it is because you chose it. We no longer are held captive against our will. We are held captive by our will. you understand that? It says in... Colossians 2.15, God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display and a public example of, of them in triumphing over them in Him and in the cross. We are no longer slaves but conquerors in Christ. We are victorious through His victory. 1 Corinthians 15.57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory, making us conquerors 
conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. Making us, which means basically, He is declaring us so. This is who we are. When He made us in His, when He brought us into new being with Him, when He brought us into union with Him, in that union we became conquerors. He made us conquerors. So now, everything that, that captures man no longer captures us. And here's the neat thing. That includes every sin known to man. And it also includes death. When he says in 1557, he celebrates the victory. He makes us more than conquerors. He's not celebrating our newfound ability to overcome by our strength. He is celebrating the fact that he is already overcome by his. And I've heard this verse preached from the standpoint that you need to be overcomers. You need to be overcomers. In the word, by the Word of God, you need to be overcomers. Listen, guys, if you are a Christian, you are an overcomer. Live in the truth of it. Don't think that you have to become. The fact is, the sin in your life is already defeated. The sin in your life is already conquered. Stand in the truth of what, of what Christ has already done in you. When he talks about setting them free, what he's doing is he's talking about the fulfillment of John chapter 7 and verse 37 and 39. He said, On the final day, then the most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried in a loud voice, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, he who cleaves the two, trusts and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his inmost beings shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. He has he was speaking here of the Spirit, whom those who believed, trusted, had faith in, in Him, were afterward to receive. For the Holy Spirit had not yet been given, because Christ was not yet glorified and raised to honor. When He says that the victory that He has given us, He is talking about the Spirit of God has now come, and we are now inhabited by His presence. And we as Christians have now something that the people of the Old Testament didn't have in the old covenant didn't have it was at a specific time and a specific era that God sent his son and Jesus died and he took our sin and he put it to death and he rose victoriously and he gave us resurrection life through the power of the Holy Spirit that which raised him from life to death resides in you and gave you resurrection life not just for the day you pass from this world to the next but the, for every day that you live he resurrects life in you the world deals out death and he gives us life the greatest gift that Jesus gave us was the Holy Spirit where we could share his life where we could be empowered to manifest his character and to actively participate in the love relationship with him then we go to Ephesians 4.9 it says but he ascended now what can this he ascended mean but that he had previously descended the heights of heaven into the depths of the lower parts of the earth. Now Paul here is demonstrating the absolute victory of Christ 
that no one was untouched and the place that he descended uh, descended to was thought to be Hades or Shiloh which was the place of the dead and what exactly happened there now listen theologians love to argue about who he spoke to and exactly where uh, Hades is at and so forth well I will tell you that Hades was the place of the dead and if you really want to get a picture of Hades this is how it works just draw a circle in your mind and then put a line down the middle on one side there is the wicked on one side there is the demons that are held in captivity on one side there is all of those who lived as direct enemies of God himself these people are being held there Across the great chasm, on the other side, are the people who have passed on in faith. The people who are the righteous, who stood in believing. They are there. They were there. They're not there anymore. Now here's, what, here's where this verse gets interesting. It says that in verse 10, I'm going to skip on to that because I want you to see that. Verse 9, he ascended into the lower parts. And then, uh, well, let me just read this to you. First Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ the Messiah himself died for sins once for all for once for all the righteous for the unrighteous the just for the unjust the innocent for the guilty that he might bring us to God in his human body he was put to death that he went and preached to the spirits in prison they're talking specifically about when he descended into Hades he went and preached to the spirits that were in captivity. Now, here's where we get confused, because there's all kinds of opinions about this, but recognizing that there are two sides to Hades, and Christ comes down and he preaches to both sides, but here's what you need to understand. The word there for preach is not the same word that he used consistently through the Bible to reflect preaching as we know it. The word there in the Greek is actually proclaim which means that he declared victory. Christ came into Hades, and this is what he did. As scriptures will bear me out here, what Christ did is he walked into Hades, and he walked in to plunder the place. He basically walked in and said, All right, death, you will hold no one anymore. I now have the keys. I will unlock what you have locked. And then he turned towards the demons and those who had died in sin and rebellion against God. And he says, this is what you missed. I have fulfilled the word of God. I am now the victor. I have died and I have taken sin. And now my beloved I'm taking home. There is victory here. Your master no longer holds the keys to death and hell. They're mine. And then he gathered the righteous behind him and he made one victorious march straight into heaven with those who had been held captive in death were no longer held in captivity. They are now in life gathered into heaven itself in the very presence of God because now they could enter into his presence because they had been made again anew through the work of Christ. Isn't that cool? He proclaimed the truth over them. It's also a fulfillment of Isaiah 61, verse 1. 
Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now Jesus quotes this in, in uh, Luke verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 8. He says, the Spirit of the Lord, is, uh, Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor, and the afflicted. He sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives, and the opening of the prison and of the eyes of those who are bound. Again, here's Jesus spiritually releasing those who've been held captive. He comes in as the victor, opening eyes. But you know what? I love, I love Isaiah 61 because though he has released the spiritual captives, he has fulfilled all of these things. And that we are now in union, we are now free, we are now experiencing intimacy with him. The truth of Isaiah 61 carries on because everything that he promised to do in the, in the terms of the spirit he is now doing in the soul he is setting the prisoners free now what is the soul the mind will and emotions he's binding up the wounds he's healing he's setting people free he is opening the eyes he's healing the brokenhearted. opening of the eyes of those that are bound now here's the neat thing when he makes that reference of opening the eyes of those who are bound What he wants them to see is that they are no longer bound. The fact is that when you believe you are bound, you are blind to the truth. Because the truth has set you free. You get that? Those of us who are operating in in fear and anxiety and angst, it is because we have allowed ourselves to be blinded to the fact that we are free. And we will insist before heaven that we are bound. Jesus proclaimed the fulfillment of the Father's plan for the redemption of man and the breaking of all bonds that held man in a godless animal state. He set us free from a life of self-centered death. Theologians are debating this issue, but I want to again put the emphasis on the proclamation. I believe part of the proclamation is in Revelation 1.18. Jesus proclaimed... Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. And the ever-living one, Jesus says, I am living in the eternity of the eternities. I died. And he looks at those around him and he says, But see, I am alive forevermore, and I possess the keys of death and Hades. It is no longer the realm of, of the evil one. It is now mine. I hold your life, and I hold it for eternity to eternity. That which was held in captivity was no longer held. Those who were chained to sin and death are no, no longer need to be chained, and the end of man no longer needs to be fear and going into the unknown. We are no longer to live with the fear of death and sin. We have been set free to live above the threats of mortality. Hebrews 2.14-15 says, Since therefore these, his children, share in flesh and blood in the physical nature of a human being, he himself, in a similar manner, partook of the same nature. 
that by going through death he might bring to naught and make to no of no effect him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And also that he might deliver and completely set free all of those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the whole course of their lives. Now what is death? Death is separation from God. That's what death is defined by. When he says that he has set you free from death, he says that he has set you free from the separation from God. Do you get that? Now what that means to you is not just that one day you will pass into eternity and the reality of you being an eternal being will come full force into your face. What it means also is that He has set you free from the death of life. Do you see that? Separation uh, from God in death is simply this. I can't see God in anything. I can't see God in my circumstances. I can't see God in my relationships. I can't see God in the things around me. Therefore, in my soul, I am separated from God. And what is that? It's death. That's death. Do you see death in your life on any level? The truth is, if you believe that you can't see God in it, you're experiencing the mourning of death. But now we have life. Death and Hades were raided by Jesus, who liberated man who was destined to this fate by the curse of Genesis 3.19. Sin brought death to all things. Understand this, when sin was introduced into creation, now creation will speak death to man. There was no killing, now there's killing. There were no thorns, now there are thorns. All of creation incorporated the result of sin in its being. But here's the neat thing. Jesus gave us, gave us redemption from death. He conquered death. But what does that mean? Now that I have Christ as life, I can find life in anything. I no longer have to be convinced that this life is death to me. I can find life in the most tragic circumstances. Because what the world means to bring death to me, what the curse of sin meant to bring death to me, He brought life. You see that? You see how far reaching that is? It's so far beyond just us going to heaven. It's about living. It's about life now. Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, 1 Corinthians 15:20, and in his resurrection demonstrated dominion over death. Now we can have life. We are resurrected day by day, moment by moment. It is because he is the living one that he has the keys of Hades and death. His resurrection turned the key in the gates of Hades and death, liberating us to eternal life. Our liberation grants us freedom from the bondage of the fear of death. Ephesians 4.10 He who descended is the very same as he who also ascended high above all the heavens. And he, his presence that He, His presence, might fill all things, the whole universe, from the lowest to the highest. Now, you see the purpose in it? What have I just been talking about? That we can see life now? That we can find life in our existence, in relationships, and whatever we go? As long as we are focused upon Him, yielded to Him, and we can see Him, we see life. 
When we feel we're separated and we can't see Him, we don't see anything but death. And we try to secure life in this world, but what do we end up securing? More death. Money to the lost man is death. Money to the carnal Christian is death. Marriage to the lost man is death. Marriage to the carnal Christian is death. Relationships to a lost man is death. Relationship to the carnal Christian is death. Both are walking and acting as though they're separated from God. So everything they bring into themselves brings death. But the righteous man, them that walk in the truth of the righteousness of Christ that has been placed upon them by their resurrection life of Christ within them, those that walk in that truth, those that embrace that truth and allow that truth to be real in their life, now see life. Romans 8 becomes very much real to them. All things begin to work together because on all things they become a revelation of the fact that I have a God, that I have a relationship with the God that He might fill all things, the whole of the universe. Paul reminds us again that Jesus ascended and descended for that purpose, that He might fill all things with Himself. Why do you think that's so important? Why is it important for God to, for Jesus to fill all things with Himself? Do you see the importance of that? Let me tell you what the importance of that is. You. God doesn't care. He could, he could, we could recreate this earth tomorrow in an instant. It's you. It is the venue for relationship with Him. He recreated all things and, and, and died and did all that He did in order that He may put forward His very life in every part of living. In the furniture, in the air. I'm not talking about pantheism. I'm talking about the truth of the Christian recognizing that he holds all things together and he died and he resurrected that he might be in all things and through all things he might be recognized. He did it for you. It's not a control thing. It's a love thing that he might fill all things with himself. And you're part of that. He gets us back to Ephesians Verse 1, 20 and 23, it's an exact quote of what, what he put up there. He says, Which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age but in the world, and but also in the age and the world that are to come. And he put all things under his feet and appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all, for in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete, who fills everything everywhere with himself. He makes everything complete by his fullness. Now guys, I want you to, I want you to take hold of this. Every aspect of your living must be completed by Him. Living must be completed by Him. He makes it complete. You know, if the lost man will, get, will gather to himself all manner of things, but they'll never satisfy, they will never be complete. But He brought it all together that He might give you through the riches of His presence and His intimacy with you the completion. And what is the completion of anything? The completion is the revelation of Christ. How else are you going to get that? 
What is the purpose and the value of all things? The glory of God. How else are you going to get that? His walking into heaven in Ephesians 4, 9 and 10, his marching through heaven, his descending and ascending, he is basically saying to us, I have taken in all of the created universe and the uncreated universe, and I have decided through the work of God, I have yielded myself to the Father that he might fill all things with himself. He not only fills the earth, he fills the heavens, he fills it all, but he fills it for this purpose that in every bit of life he becomes to us oxygen you get that? is there anything on this planet that you could enjoy without oxygen? is there anything that you could participate in for very long without oxygen? just look at all of the things that you're involved in right now can you do any of them without oxygen? you can't do them without Jesus you're incomplete He has filled all things with Himself like oxygen. We need Him for life because He is our life. And just like the trees release the oxygen that we breathe, all of life was created to reflect and give revelation of Him. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in Him all fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and you... In Him you have been made complete. And He is the head over all rule and authority. We are completed. And life can be complete in our experience. He's made us to live in completion. Not in tattered pieces. Not in frustration. Not in anxiety. But to live in the truth that He holds all things and He will complete all things. You know, I don't determine what is completed. The truth is, what I said to you about completion is completion is the revelation of Christ. And He decides when and where and how. That's why we're all on this earth for different times. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.